What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, very, very special guest. My friend, she's the Jill of all trades, is what she calls herself, and it's literally true. Uh, singer, songwriter, audio engineer, business owner. You own a stage. Uh, you're a uh, instructor at a college. I mean, I, I think the list even goes further than that. Um, so without further ado, Rayleigh Grunholz, everybody. How are you today? Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate the intro, man. By the way, I will correct you. I'm doing good. Um, but recently, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I did change over my business from the Jill of All Trades to Androgynous Audio. That's so right. I used to go by the Jill of All Trades, but um, you know how sometimes in life, and you probably know this, you're a business owner. Uh, you go through these different stages and you adapt and you grow and you evolve with your business as well. And it changes the look, I mean, the feel, sometimes the name. So sometimes the business owners, if you have more people come into it or, you know. So for me, it's been recently since I moved down here, um, a lot of good changes. So That's what's up. I, yeah, I really relate to that as well. I mean, you know, Nice Entertainment started out as a record label and, well, I mean, it at first it was my personal brand and then it was a record label and now it's back to be my personal brand again. So it's, um, I definitely relate to that. I didn't change the name, but it's definitely got a whole new look and feel with, uh, with everything that I do. Um, because I'm really not doing a lot of the same things that I used to be anymore. I like your name a lot. It fits you. Nice guy entertainment. It Thank always you. has. I, I always really liked the brand. I always really, uh, and that's what I, what I needed to go back to because I, I got all these people involved and they, had their own ideas and their own agendas and stuff like that and a lot of really good stuff but it it kind of went away from what i wanted it to be and it 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 got away from the brand a bit and i just kind of want to bring it back you know and just and just kind of get the niceness back get the um get you know dive into mental health stuff a little bit more and do things like this like this podcast and um you know have it be a, a a place where I can produce artists and uh, under my own terms, you know, and not have a lot of different heads involved in like the deciding factors of where the business needs to go, you know? Mm -hmm, definitely. And nowadays too, I think about that in terms of how, just as the way our industry has shifted, like a lot of us are our own brands now. So we're representing ourselves, you know, maybe we have a business location, maybe we have a service, maybe we have actual things and tangible things they can rent or use from us. Um, maybe we tour with bands and run their front of house because they want you to come on the road with them or whatever. So I think it's it's just fun to kind of have a different office um, every day almost. Yep. Except for <laughs> when a pandemic happens, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um We'll get into the pandemic a little bit more, but um, first I want to get your background. So how did you get started in music and audio engineering and all that? So my background goes all the way back to childhood for me. Um, music's been a very strong thing, presence. I shouldn't say thing. I don't know what music is, but it's moving. It's alive. But it's been in my life since I was a little girl. <clears throat> my mom, my my cousins, my uncles, they all played. My sister Hillary played piano. So I was kind of just around a lot of different things, a lot of instruments. We all sang as a family. Um, my mom was a big singer, so that was kind of what started me with my own singing journey. 
and she had uh, an analog mixer. It was a 12-channel mixer, had EQs on it and everything. I had no idea what the names for any of this stuff was when I was a kid, um, but I knew the colors. I knew how to match things for like the video to get everything working. And she had two PA and one little sub. Um, and I thought it was pretty badass, actually. She had a Furman Q. She actually did everything, you know, right when it came to setting it up. But my mom wasn't very technical. She's still not. She cannot use a phone. You know, she doesn't care about getting with the times because she's just like, oh, that's for you. You can tell me how to do it. So I'm like, okay. So I used to do the same thing with her audio gear where she'd just be like, oh, Ray, can you set it up for me? You know, can you do this for me? And I would, I would just plug things in based on the colors. I would literally match stuff up <laughs> until I got the hang of it and I learned and I made mistakes. And as a kid, you know, it's fun to mess around with the EQs. I only had um, a three-channel EQ, so it was just the high, mid, low band, kind of like what you'd see on a guitar amp. And I just had a heyday with that thing. My entire life I was around that thing. So for me, and she had the cassette and then also the CDs. So she had a triple CD player that she ended up building into the rack at one point. So you could play anything that you wanted through that system. So that was my original start in music, I would say. Um, and from there, I never gave up on it. My whole life, I, uh, I went into musicals. I went into uh, choir. I just did pretty much anything related to music, no matter where I was because I was kind of a nomad kid. We moved around a lot, so I was in a lot of different places, but as long as there was music, I was fine. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that your background, because um, both your parents are, are musical, aren't they? Or is your dad just like a business owner or? Yeah, my dad's a business owner and he's uh, just a very hard worker. He grew up on a farm since he was like 13. So he's oh, been okay. doing farming and working with farmers. He has an agronomist company and he's been doing that his whole life. So. Oh, wow. That's what's up. So yeah, how we met was we went to IPR together and uh, at IPR, you were, you were one of the most impressive students, I feel like. I mean, to to me, I mean, like when I had to have classes with you, I mean, I think we only had maybe one or two classes together. Um, I think we knew each other before we had classes together. But I remember in uh, one in particular, I think it was like it was a sound design for visual media class. Um, it was one of the first ones. But I mean, the stuff that you were doing in there, I was just like, holy shit. And I like I and I knew that you were, you know, you were great with um, as a singer and uh as an audio engineer and and you were just doing everything. I mean, and then you got into like uh, running live sound and uh, you were super busy with that. Um, so when, when did you decide to go to IPR? So I started IPR 2015, the summer of 2015. Uh, and I layered my degrees and I did two years. I did two degrees in two years. So I did the audio production and um, engineering, the studio production engineering, and then the live sound and show production degrees. And so I just, I don't really know how I worked that out, but at the time I had, gosh, who was it, Scott for my admissions rep? Um, and he just worked with me to get it figured out because I told him, I was like, you know, I, I feel like, because I just wanted to be immersed in it, so I just wanted to fill all my time up with music. And I had saved up enough money working through high school because I had two jobs where I was going to be okay for a while in the cities, you know, with rent and expenses and stuff to just worry about my degree. Um, and it was only two years of my life. So I really focused on that. So yeah, I just kind of like took charge because I think it was the first time in my life I was going for something that I truly loved. 
because uh, I never thought that music was an option before, even though it had been around my life, my entire life. Uh, I'd never seen anybody in my family take it seriously like that. So it kind of made it fe feel like it was so far away from me and being in a small town and not around a lot of, like my mom was the only person who had a system like that. And we actually used mm -hmm. our system to power um, like the events that were going on at the school at the time because it was a small school. They had no system for anything. So we would take that little system over there and set it up for like any theater plays or anything they were doing. So by the time you went to IPR, you already had a bunch of knowledge then. Yeah, enough knowledge to just want to dive in and just have fun. Um, I was scared, obviously. I didn't know everything by any means. I had no idea what any of the technical terms were uh, for anything. I just knew what colors were and how the cables went together. I didn't even know that the XLR cable was called an XLR cable. We always called it a microphone cable um, because that's just layman term, you know. Right. You get into the actual professional side of it and you've got to start learning all these little intricate things about the way systems run all the way from the source. So it's just a whole different way that my brain had to kind of restructure. And that you also started doing solo music as well. Um, was that always kind of in the plan for you, like when you started going to IPR, or did that just kind of happen after you started going to school? That has been a plan since I was a little girl, actually, because my mom would ask me, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I would always tell her I wanted to be a singer, a sing-song pop star. And that was my answer for everything. I never changed it. I just wanted to be singing on stage. Um, so for me, I didn't know how it was going to look and how it was going to sound. But IPR, I think, was the starting ground for my own original stuff. Because before IPR, I was just singing to, to covers of everybody else. Rihanna, you know, anybody else that I admired. Amy Winehouse, who I have on my arm. Like she's my one of my favorite vocal influences because of her depth when she sings, the emotion that you feel from her voice. So I copied and mimicked these people for so long and then I started putting my own twists on it, you know, as I got older and had more fun with the vocal stylings. And then I just completely took the bull by the horns when we hit IPR because I realized I could create from scratch and do my own thing. And that I had never had the knowledge to even figure that out yet. So um the second it was in front of me, I was like, okay, it's go time. Like, let's do it. So it's kind of always been there and I've always been creating. Like even now, I have a vault full of probably hundreds and hundreds of just songs that I'll pop onto this thing and I'll just throw up some stuff or I'll get, you know, like a synth on, like a table synth that I can create pretty much any sound that I want and just roam around with it for a while. And I'll pop from one to the next. Sometimes it takes me 30 seconds. Other times I'll spend an hour on a tune. But now I've got like all these originals that I can just go from or I can give to somebody else to do, to do um, or write on, you know. So it's just that was I think that was always the goal. Yeah, I, I love your your music. Everything that I've heard from you just sounds fantastic. Um, and yeah, you just you just got a got a great chill sound. And we we started doing a song together and we we got it. We, we wrote it two times. We did. And then. My hard drive got stolen like a month later. So basically we ha we have like one version of the song and then another one that we'll probably never get back. Did you end up saving a copy of that? I think I have a copy of it somewhere in my files, yeah. I would love to pull that back up and just even see. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was cool. It had like spacey guitar in it. Um, I remember that. And it was just a nice little intro.
which I still feel like if I do some more layering with it, because we didn't spend a lot of time. I mean, we did a little bit and I felt like it, the vocals at the time was my biggest issue because I was having um, a hard time writing. I was going through a bad breakup at the time with a just somebody that I shouldn't have been giving so much time to. So I think that was why I was having a difficult time just getting into a good writing position. I know how that is sometimes. Like sometimes it just flows and other times it's like... It, it's I don't I don't know if I believe in writer's block, but it's definitely a thing. I mean, I, th I think it's like this this mental thing that we we kind of like we just have so much so many thoughts that we can't get it organized enough to put it down on paper. I think that's kind of what writer's block is, really. I definitely agree with that. I think that it's a big hodgepodge of like information that exactly what you're saying. You don't know how to cycle through or sort out yet. And so you just kind of shut down all at once instead of doing anything about it. Right. Which means, you know, it's it's like, okay, obviously brain overload type of thing because we're vessels, we're spirits inside vessels. So it's like sometimes I feel like our spirit and our energy is so much more um, and our bodies are just like, slow down. I can only take so much with you, you know, like I'm trying to hang on. But so I definitely, yeah, I try to step away when that happens and just take a breather for a minute or, you know, come back to it at a different point. And then all of a sudden there's an entirely new creative thing that happens with it. Talk about the the portable stage company that you started with your dad. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I love my dad. He's the best. He actually was a huge support in, you know, the, the actual maintenance of everything. Because for me, it was the first time I was investing in any big machinery. Um, because I took a loan out on the stage for $136,000 when I bought it. And I'm still paying it off. So it was a big business venture that I did per a suggestion from a, a really huge mentor of mine for my PR, um, Peter Greenland. I basically, when I was graduating, I wanted to invest in a business. And I talked to my father and I was like, you know, I said, Dad, how did you start your business? And we had a business discussion. We just had a one-on-one. -on -one. And he was like, you know, he's like, honestly, He's like, well, I own this, this, and this. This is kind of how R&K started. He started with little to nothing. They ended up buying a really nice building. From there, he started adding and adding to the building, to the equipment, you know, forklift, a semi-head, all these things slowly that they were branding and customizing. Um, and then I was like, okay. So the first thing I thought about was, well, I don't want to invest in audio gear because everybody and their mother has audio gear. So I went for a stage. And it was basically like investing in a home, you know. So I went for it and I was scared out of my mind and I definitely had to put a little initial investment in. I uh, had Kaya come down with me and got her certified to do it. And I had another guy, James from Florida, um, come as well. And then we all got certified, <clears throat> came back and on the way back and this stage, the truck we were in had broken down three times. And me and Kaya, I'm telling you, if you talk to Kaya about this story, it is such a inspiration. Like her and I really put our heads together and made sure that we got back in time for James's flight from Minneapolis back to Florida. He was supposed to spend some time with family, but because we broke down so many times, he actually had to go. We literally pulled up with the truck on the stage just in time for him to go get in line for the security uh, airline airport because we ended up spending the night in a couple Ford dealership parking lots because we actually had the exhaust from the engine blow two times. The first time the Ford dealership didn't put it back together properly. The second time me and Kaya put it together and we just had a mom and pop shop um, wrencher come out and give us the tools we needed. We called him <laughs> and he came out in an unmarked truck and he was like, okay, it's like if anybody asks, because we were on an interstate, 
And he was like, if anybody asks, I'm your cousin <laughs> and you're paying me in cash because, you know, he didn't want to get in trouble with his company for coming out on the side of a, a highway or a major, you know, to help somebody. Otherwise, it would have been extremely expensive to tow back the truck and then the stage separately. So two separate tows. And who knows, I wouldn't have made it back for the first gig I had scheduled, which the very first gig I had when I got back to the cities, I got stiffed. So I actually didn't even get paid for it. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, and I brought two students from IPR. Uh, you'd probably know their names. Ben is one of them. Um, but they came through, and uh, they got 50 bucks from the pastor, but the pastor didn't realize that the main event coordinator hadn't paid me yet for the entire stage booking. So when I reached out to the guy, he kept pushing it off, pushing it off. It's night, and I'm like, where are you, dude? And he's like, oh, I'll get you the check, you know, this week. I'm like, that's fine. Can you mail it to me? month goes by, you know. And so I reach out to the church and I'm like, look, I've never been paid from this guy. I ended up trying to take him to small claims court uh, and the church completely fired him, cut him off from the church as well. The nice thing was me and the church were able to salvage our relationship. And later on, uh, they used me for the next year and I actually got to bring in audio with another friend of mine who had audio gear. So I got to run the whole thing with him and we got to do a really good show and they paid us both a year in advance. That's intense. That's crazy. Your first gig with the stage and you got stiffed. Yeah. Damn. It was rough. That was one time. <laughs> There's been a couple other moments like that as a business owner where you're like, oh gosh, I have to figure this out because, you know, as the good old saying goes, the show must literally go on. And I don't want to make anybody's event go sour because they've been planning this and advertising it for how long, spending money. Um, that would just be awful if I wasn't able to make something happen regardless, you know? So that's always been my mantra is just don't let it, don't drop the ball because it's a big thing. A stage is pretty important. Yeah. So what, what year was that that you, you got that? The end of 2017, right before we hit 2018, it was like right around New Year's. Oh, okay. So it was that long ago then. Wow. Um, so how many gigs um, did you end up doing then? Have you, have you done with the stage? A lot, actually. So I was making really good money before COVID, but now down here, actually, I've been getting it booked out almost every weekend. I just had, last weekend, I did a graduation event for Rollins College down here. And then the weekend, a couple weekends before that, I did an event at Tinker Field. They had a festival. And then they had an, like a, an invasion festival that I did. They have a bunch of stuff, like beach parties um, down here. So it's been pretty busy. What did bring you down to Florida initially? I don't even think we ever talked about this. Well, I think that the first... The reason why uh, Florida, you know, seemed appealing to me was because of it was tropical. And I lived in Arizona for seven years when I was younger, which it's dry heat. And I didn't not like it, but I felt like the the atmosphere to me felt really dead because of the desert, mm -hmm. because of the cactuses. And so when it'd get really hot and we'd have heat advisories, I just felt kind of sad. Like, I don't know, not something I would not somewhere I would want to live forever, considering how beautiful I feel Minnesota is with the mountains, the greenery, all the living things. Um, not that I don't love Arizona. I'm not going to, you know, bash Arizona at all because I had a lot of fun living there, learned a lot, met a lot of cool people. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about the reason why I picked this specific location versus maybe over towards that area. Mm -hmm. And another big one was that my dad and my stepmom both had a home in Apopka already. So they were close by pretty much the area I wanted to be in was Orlando because I wanted to be central. 
you go further out and you get to Trump territory, not to say anything against anybody that voted for Trump, but I just don't like that human very much. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm with you. So I don't really um, go too far out. And I don't worry about what other people, you know, like or dislike, whatever. But Because you'll see signs still around because you're also in Florida. But Orlando's very blue in the way that it's very progressive. A lot of gay people here, too. It's like a mecca for gay people, I feel like. Yeah, I love it. A lot of good stuff, and I feel like I'm in my element here. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, and you got... Hired as an instructor at First Institute. Yes. So First Institute is a, a really sweet college. Right now they're located on Silver Star, but they just bought and purchased a new building on Edgewater. So we're about to do a big grand opening um, at a new spot coming up. So it should be fun. Um, I'm excited because I actually recently just got a promotion to the assistant program uh, director. So I've been helping out with like building curriculum, um, you know, pretty much the content that students learn and also just a lot of studying. I'm trying to bring in some new stuff into campus as well with like training for actual um, teachers and such with a couple outside sources and some other companies. So just getting more of that kind of stuff into the new building as we transfer over. But I've also been doing a lot of stuff online with our IDL program too. So teaching, you know, multiple students from kind of all over. So it's been a lot of fun. Nice. So is, is it super similar to IPR then? It's similar, yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, I would say first, you know, reminded me a lot of the community vibes, the smaller classroom sizes reminded me of IPR. They range around 14 students usually. For oh, wow. my ideal class, I started with 24 students though because it was online. Oh, okay. So I had a lot more students. A lot of fun. I mean, and honestly, just getting to be able to wake up every day, come down to my studio, flip everything on and talk to people from all over, all different backgrounds, all different ages, different religions. Like we're all coming together here to learn audio, um, professional audio, different theories. They teach me a lot of stuff. I teach them stuff. It's just fun, you know? The pandemic definitely put a damper on a lot of like, I'm sure like your live events were just non-existent forever. Definitely. So, I mean, I bet you were like really just banking on the the teaching gig. Yeah, for a bit. What was your world like when the when the pandemic first hit? The first, you know, initial blow, um, our school actually shut down and I got furloughed, furloughed for two weeks. So all of us thought like our jobs were done or we don't know what's happening in the world. Um, and then I just spent those two weeks playing piano, laying outside the pool, because thankfully I was quarantined in a really nice house with a, a pool in the backyard and my little dog, Jack Jack. And so we just hung out and I played piano on this baby. I set it up in the sunroom. And then every once in a while, I'd bring it out by the pool and I would just sit and play. And that was how I started to uh, create Too Close, which was my most recent single that I just released. And it was basically kind of like a, a double entendre about too close, like being too close, six feet away, blah, blah, blah for quarantine. But also the other side of it, of too close, like letting somebody into to be too close to you, it's like, it's okay, even though it's a pandemic, I love you so much, I'm willing to let you kill me right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what the song's about. And it's dedicated to everybody, every type of love that there is in existence. That's what that song is for. So it was just a fun one to make. And that was the initial blow for the shutdown for the college, as for like staging. And then my personal stuff kept going. I think my artist stuff was what I really focused on during all that. Yeah. Um, you know, releasing my Lighthouse music video, my Lost on Space music video, all of that was during the shutdown. 
and then teaching from home online because we ended up coming back after the two weeks. And then they trained us on campus very quickly on how to do all this new online stuff because we had never done an online program before, but we had finally been approved to do it. So I started developing and um, because I had the highest retention rate while we were home, they ended up giving me the promotion when we came back and then also um, we ended up starting developing a full program for IDL. That's what's up. That's incredible. Even though it was all, you know, crazy and everything got shut down and staging gigs went kaput, I did keep steady and kept working, kept studying, kept teaching, kept learning more. It was just constant brain work, really. And then on the other side of it, um, the staging started coming back slowly, gig by gig. I ended up flying back to Minnesota, getting my stage from indoor storage and driving it all the way back down to Orlando. And then now I'm partnering with an entertainment company here. And Androgynous Audio is like up and running. We're doing pretty much stage rentals every weekend. And then also I can double and do sub rentals for audio gear through the entertainment company I'm partnering with. So I could literally quote out an entire show here anywhere in Orlando and have everything needed for the show. I could run it. I could hire the crew, um, pretty much anything. So that's where I, th I wanted everything to go. And now that it's kind of coming back and I see the industry taking hold again, uh, people getting their sh their uh, vaccinations and things like that, I think we want things to go back, you know, in a positive direction, not back. I think we want to move forward and move beyond this. You know, we've every century or so we get some type of pandemic and it just yep. keeps getting worse and worse because of our healthcare, because we have these things that will combat it. So it's mutating. So it's going to happen in another hundred years probably. Yeah. But- as long as we can get through this one and we can come, you know, come back even stronger, I feel like we're going to keep moving forward in our industry for sure. Yeah. So, um, and I've been talking about this and asking people about this. Um, what do you see as far as the future? What do you think the pandemic is going to as far as like, you know, the live world or, you know, even like our studio work? How, what kind of changes do you think the pandemic will have on the industry as a whole? The changes I see happening right now are definitely remote mixing. I do a lot of that. Um, remote mastering, so getting things sent and uh, mastered. Usually, you just if you have like a, a home setup, you just have your signal. Whatever your mastering chain is for whatever you want to do. A lot of times nowadays, I'm seeing hybrid studios. So sometimes they have a little bit of mastering and mixing gear combined, like the Neve. I like the Neve. Um, master mix bus that they just released. Portico 2, that's what it is. So it's a Neve Design Portico 2 master bus process. So that paired with like an Apollo X8P, like what I got over here, 1176 or like a tube tech or something like that, that is pretty much the standard that I'm seeing in most hybrid studios around uh, nowadays because we're getting to a point where everything's becoming so easy to integrate uh, and do that A to D conversion. So a lot of things are built with interfaces and A to D converters already built in now. So I do just see based on the technology uh, advancements, our industry is becoming easier and easier to do professional audio. So I do see us coming to a head where we reach, you know, that bar point because I felt like audio has been behind for a while compared to like visual 4K what now they have 12K cameras. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like we're behind a little bit audio wise considering we still compress everything. So hopefully we're headed towards more of that uh, advancement-wise in the future, but that's what I see as in the now with students. Um, a lot of people are just trying to figure out how to get their own remote setup because we're all working together now. We're yeah. more interconnected than we've ever been. Yeah, as far as uh, like the live stuff goes, 
What do you think like the live stuff will consist of? I mean, do you think it's do you still think it's going to be a lot of like mask wearing at shows and stuff for the next, you know, year or two or what do you what do you think? You know, I think there's going to be a huge increase of outdoor shows, which will be good for me oh, yeah. because everybody feels like the outdoor thing is safer. There's more air to breathe. Um, but when it comes to actually doing shows and venues and things like that, I see it opening up. I see people, you know, maybe still having to worry a little bit about like capacity and things. But as soon as I feel like the pandemic is figured out to a point where the cases go down, you know, and it kind of dwindles out after maybe more people get vaccinated and things like that. That's kind of what I'm hoping for for the indoor joints because I really can't say it's still touch and go. So I know that people want to open up soon this summer. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen depending on the pandemic. You know, it's like you can't really force it to move along faster than what it's moving. Yeah, it's just been this this crazy question mark that's been put on the whole industry. It's like it's like what is what is the next thing? What what are we supposed to be doing? Um, and yeah, I, I've had, I've had to completely shift what I'm doing and, um, I've seen a lot of people do the same. Um, so I, I've always seen you as like a, like a positive person, like your, your whole aura has just always radiated positivity and, and you've just always seemed like you, you balance everything with so much grace, you know, with everything that you have going on and stuff. How do you keep, maintain that positivity and that that positive balance? That's a really good question. I have hard days, you know? I do. I think that the biggest key for me is when I have those hard days um, to take myself and sit down like you would a mother and a child and just basically nurture yourself. What do you need right now to feel better? Immediately. What's one choice you can make to immediately feel better that you know it's towards what you want to do and where you want to end up? And then I make that choice to do it immediately because it already puts me in a different state of vibration. If I sit and I feel bad for too long, then I'm letting those negative emotions win. And they're not me. They're just like coming through me and passing by. They're, I'm meant to look through a lens, but that's not like my spirit and my soul. Those negative thoughts that tell me I'm not good enough to be a singer, that I'm not good enough to do audio full time for a living, that I'm, I'm not gonna make it in the industry and there's gonna be some huge blowout in my career and I'm not gonna go any further and I'm gonna be a grocery store bagger when I'm 50 years old, that's not gonna happen. Those thoughts come into my head just like they would come into, I think, most of our heads. Um, but it's all about just, again, just like beating them up. It's like beating up the bully on the playground because sometimes that can be the worst because we are our biggest critics. I judge myself more than I think anybody else is judging me uh, and that's sad, you know? I don't want to do that to myself. So that's the biggest one. Um, number two would be the belief, just believing in yourself. Because if you don't genuinely believe, then it doesn't matter. So it's that's a big one. If you feel like you've lost hope and belief in life, there's probably other things that also need to change outside of just the career aspect, but maybe figuring out what's meant for you again. Because some people I feel like aren't happy doing what they're doing, or maybe they get into music and they don't like it, or maybe they're in a different career and they want to do music. You know, it's like, really, we're all just inner children trying to find our way in this crazy life. So why not help each other find what it is that makes them happy and just be supportive of each other? 
I think the pandemic made me really appreciate people again because it took all of them away from me physically. So, yeah, it gets pretty lonely. I'm not going to lie, being in a state right before the pandemic happens all by yourself. And then everything else with the protests back home. I went to the protest here in Orlando, and I still just felt disconnected from everybody, you know? So it's been tough, definitely, but I have this hope and this, like, inner flame in me that just tells me it's going to be okay. So I'm just trying to hang on to that. And that's kind of what I've come to as well. Um, I, for the longest time, I think it's was engraved, engraved in me from childhood for for different reasons. Um, but I didn't believe in myself for the longest time. And I didn't have that self-confidence that, um, I didn't really radiate positivity. Um, I mean, I, I did, but at the same time, like I always had this, like, I'm not good enough thing about me. And the pandemic, oddly enough, like you said, like it, it, um, it made me appreciate my life and the people in my life and made me really appreciate myself as well, you know, and made me like love myself all over again and, and love my love what I do. And um, it brought me back to the why I'm doing this, you know, and um, this podcast is a huge part of that because I've, I've realized over over the course of my career and life, I've met so many amazing creative people. And I want to help give those people a voice and a platform and um, to get those ideas and stories out there because I feel like so many of us have those stories and um, so many of us have these, um, like so many creative people have these like anxieties or, you know, depression or um, self-esteem issues or, you know, whatever that, that holds them back from doing what they truly love. And um, I really want to help, you know, those people and, and however I can and, you know, make people realize that they can do this, that they can, um, they, they can believe in themselves. They can love themselves, all of, all of those things. Um, so what advice would you give to a young person, um, that wants to get into the industry, but is, is scared. That's another good question. And I like what you said about how creative people and artists, you know, how they have these anxieties and those things as well, just to touch on that. I believe that even as a young person coming into the industry and as an artist, a creator, the first thing to understand is that you're going to be sensitive. So I think why we get so easily depressed so easily overwhelmed or, or anxious for certain situations. I don't think it's really us. I think it's because it's what you're picking up on, you know? Maybe there's you're tapping into something also that's an anxious that the entire, you know, your entire community is feeling. It, it could be more than just you. So I feel like when you're dealing with a creative passion, you're tapping into these different, you know, frequencies, these different emotions. And when you write, you're really tapping into an emotion or multiple, you know? So it's like, we got to be protective of our spirituality and our energy, I believe. And I don't know, you know, I'm not religious because I don't believe that you need to follow a set form of belief to be right by God or what we decide to call God, you know. But I do believe that music is such a spiritual thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just insane. But I don't think there's a limit on that. I think that we try to find words in you know our world to try to explain these things, but there's no words because if we put a word on it, we're limiting it already. So for me, I'm just leaving it open at that point. But as a young person coming in, being open as well to the opportunities, the possibilities, and then putting yourself in a position to potentially, you know, have something that's going to lead to success when it comes to an opportunity, you know, networking, talking to people, 30 second elevator, you know, pitch that we learned, which we use all the time, right? It was yep. probably a great thing. Another thing that I want to say is when you're starting, I do like scooters, I always say yes. But keep in mind that as you get better and the more that you add to your resume or to your experience list, you don't always have to say yes. That's exactly what I tell people too. That's exactly what I tell people because Scooter doesn't say that part. I mean, for everybody listening or watching that doesn't know who we're talking about, Scooter was one of our instructors at IPR and one of our favorite instructors because he's amazing. Um, but he, yeah, he does, he does just say, always say yes, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk about that other part where once you get that, those skills and those, um, you know, you've been burned too many times, you, you have to learn when to say no. But yes, uh, when you're first starting out, try everything. Say yes to everything. Because then you figure out what you love. Yep. I think that was the, the key. And I think he left it open for that reason because he's like, where are you going to be? You know, like you got to figure out what part of the industry, because that's the other thing. Like any industry, there are a lot of subcategories within music. So it's like you could fall into so many different things. I've tried a lot of different things in our industry. And now I've come back to, okay, sound for film, production, songwriting, that's kind of what I've fallen back into. And that's where I feel like I'll go. So, I mean, I did the live, right? I wanted to hustle and bustle and run around. Now I've got crews of people that I can pay to go do it. I don't have to go set it up every time. That's just something, you know, once you work past a certain point, it's just, it's nice. Because I can just kind of show up on site now and point fingers a little bit and just back it up and pull out and there we go. So that's I think up. that, yeah, I just love over time seeing it come full circle because I think starting out, sometimes the other side can be dim. And it might seem like I was saying earlier, how far away just being in the industry felt for me. I think once you're in the industry, finding your place feels really far away as well. So it's like, where do I fit into all of this? Because there's so much. And it's all beautiful. I mean, everything has its place. But it's just finding your own path can sometimes be difficult. It's it's like you're breaking into yourself. You're cracking yourself wide open into who you're supposed to be. Absolutely. That was a very, very long process for me. Um, I'm 36 now, and it took me like... I mean, I started as a as an MC, and then I got into making beats um, in 2001, 2002. So it's been like 20 years at this point. And this has been a, a 20 year long process for me. Um, and I had to try absolutely everything. I mean, I, I like being a songwriter, a producer, I mean, starting a label and developing talent. And um, I never ran live sound, but but just about every other thing you could possibly do. And to, you know, come come back and it's really just figuring out my why you know and I finally feel like over the last year or so you know in my mid-30s I'm finally figuring out my why and why I do this and 
And I think I think that's that's key. I think I think young people need to try absolutely anything and everything that they're interested in and and follow, you know, follow their, you know, curiosity and um their intuitions and it might it might lead them down some crazy paths and they're gonna fuck up a lot and they're gonna (laughs) make a lot of mistakes but eventually they'll get to where they need to be will smith said it best fail fast and fail hard and move on yep absolutely and i think people people get so afraid of failure that they don't even they don't even start. And then they don't even try and then you you don't fail, so then you don't even do it. Right, and you don't know what could have happened if you were to just try. And I I wish that I would have known that. I mean, you can't turn back time, but uh, I wish that I would have known that and fully realized that as a teenager and, you know, in my early 20s and even in a lot of my 20s. You know, I wish I would have I would have just gone after all of my ideas you know in my you know I and I did for you know I I did somewhat but um it wasn't until you know I really started at IPR that I you know met other people like-minded people and realized like oh shit there's a lot of us out there and there's a lot of you know people that think like me that you know are are finding their why they're they're chasing their curiosities and stuff like that so yeah it was just a long process for me um but I, but I definitely think that that that's um, that's great advice. In that same vein, uh, what do you think your biggest struggle, uh, as a you know as as a person in this industry or just in life in general has been that you've had to get over? That's a tough one because there's been a couple big ones that have been difficult for me. I would say. Obviously, the first and foremost one will always probably just be that little inner doubt that comes up like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. I think I'm still to this point certain days where I'm just like, okay, you know, I just need to let myself be today. (laughs) Just give myself a break, especially during period week. I'm not going to lie. You just got to let yourself be because it's emotional. So, but outside of that, I feel like the negatives for me in my life have turned into positives in ways Um, But a really difficult one for me that I'll say is pretty personal would be a a parent figure in my life who is walking the fine line of death because of addiction. So that one's been hard on me because that's the person that you want to be there for everything. And I'll just be honest, it's uh, my mom. And she was the one that showed me music. So it was really difficult because when I was younger, I grew up in a lot of interesting settings. I basically feel like I kind of feel like home for me was a bar when I was young. Same. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that about you. Yeah, that's same, same for me. Yeah, so I kind of grew up there my whole life. And because we had that system, we would take it around a lot of places. We were in the middle of nowhere, so nobody had systems. So we were called for a bunch of stuff. And it kind of just turned into one big party most of my adolescence. Yep. So that was hard. But it fueled me in a way of having a lot of love for people from seeing somebody so hurt, you know, by their own doing. But also by a lot of life, too, because people don't just turn out that way for nothing. Yep. You know, life can really beat people up sometimes. And I think that she went through an extremely difficult situation, multiple in her life, to 
you know, want to cover her emotions so much. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because now my career is built on expressing emotions. And as a child, when you have, you know, a parent with addiction or struggling with addiction, your emotions, you're the parent, you know, your emotions aren't, you're the one trying to cater to them, make sure they're okay. So you don't talk about how you feel. So I had a lot of built in and built up emotion from most of my life. And the second I got the ability to like express and just get it out, yeah, I just, I don't think I looked back after that. To see your parents like age and struggle is just, is the hardest thing, you know? Like it's it's just, especially like people that are so close to you and you grew up um, really looking up to. And my mom is the reason why I, I got into music as well I mean it was it was always around my household I mean like like you said like I, I was kind of raised in bars too I mean my I came from a party family like partying to music like it's just the the way I grew up um so like she she's was the main reason why I got into this and she's always been the one that supported me the most you know and um supported all my dreams and all my you know was there for all my failures and all of all of that stuff too so it's um i've just been it's been my thing ever i mean ever since she was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago to make sure that i'm always there for her you know no matter what i have going on i i'm just i'm always there you know so that's important um just yeah exactly just just so uh, like you know if anything did happen which i hope it, it you know i hope it does and i hope she gets better and i hope that things keep getting better but i know that i would have no regrets when it comes to her you know and when it when it comes to my parents in general that's just that's my biggest thing like i don't you know want them to i don't want them to to leave this planet and then me having regret for the rest of my life that's exactly how i feel too that's why even though my mom has been struggling with addiction for so long like i don't let it deter the fact that i still love her and i'm still always going to love her and I still fly back to see her and my little sister and I call her and we FaceTime and it's hard sometimes because yeah, again, you're seeing, like you said, your parents slowly deteriorate in front of you and yep. she's lost weight and she's more bloated, you know, just sad because I just, I'm not sure, you know, where it's going to go. And I love her so much. I, I knew that if I made a song for my dad before I made a song for her, she would kill me. So recently during the pandemic before that before i had moved down here i was working really hard on a song for her called lighthouse and it was dedicated to her because my grandpa he would used to he was a nomad him and my grandma they would travel around and he'd always bring her back these lighthouse figurines like these dried seahorses these cool nets that she'd hang in our bathroom and we had this half bath in an old victorian home when i was little and I remember walking in there, it was literally covered in lighthouse stuff. You just couldn't look around. There was like no inch of wall left. And she loved it because of the meaning, you know, never stop looking towards the light, no matter what life has going on. The lighthouse was always the saving grace for those ships that were coming in from stormy waters. And so that was their thing. My grandpa and her, well, he passed away two years ago and she's been really struggling with it ever since he passed away. And so I made that song for her in kind of a redemption of our relationship also to show her that I still love her even though she's still going through this addiction issue. And I want her to be the best version of herself that she can be. 
if she chooses it. It's a lot. It's a lot to, to, I mean, especially when trying to balance, you know, your, your own goals and your own life and your own mental health and, and everything. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of weight. You've been handling it really well too, Brandon, though, because I watch you from afar. We're social media besties. I watch you both, both of you. And I just feel like your posts are always so genuine and positive as well. And you get right down to like being real. And that's what I love the most too, because it's one thing on social media to post the highlight reels, which is what's classic. I feel like everybody sees that. But it's another thing when somebody posts something with depth that hits you a little bit as you're scrolling. That's the kind of stuff that I see you post. Um, And I keep certain friends of mine from back home like highlighted or whatever in my Facebook stuff so that way I see your guys' stuff. Uh, Because I do. I appreciate certain energies in my life, even if it's just going and scrolling through. I only want certain people that I see that are motivating and uplifting because life is hard enough at this point, you know, like yep. support each other. Let's love each other, motivate and move forward to somewhere better and new because hopefully that's where we're going. I really appreciate that because, yeah, that's um, that's just always been my thing. Like, I mean, I I would I want to turn my struggles and my pain into inspiration or, you know, just something that helps others or helps uplift people. Um because I just I just don't want anybody to to go through, you know, some of the the feelings that I've I've felt or and we all do, but um, but I if I can help somebody feel better, um, then that's I'm doing my my job. I'm doing what I what I set out to do, you know, and um, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate um that you noticed that. It's true, yeah. You deserve that, so. Thank you. Appreciate you in life. I appreciate you as well. I mean, you're you're somebody that I like. I said, like, I mean, you're what, like, probably close to ten years younger than me. But you're like, you're a beast. Like, you've always been a beast. You've always been this like inspirational figure and person that I'm like, just like, damn. There's nothing she can't do. I love you for that. I know that you're gonna keep growing and you're gonna keep excelling and keep doing excellent and amazing things you are too and you know what i love all that cake podcast by the way some of your podcasts you've been doing are just so dope i don't even know the list i'm sure that you have but just keep sending me stuff that you're working on too because i'm in this very collaborative space now where i have my creative space finally set up for the longest i was just kind of floating around trying to figure out you know am i going to purchase a house here the pandemic happened and it kind of pushed me into buying a home here, which I'm glad it did because now I have like a creative space I can work out of. That's what's up. Yeah, it looks really nice in there. Like, I mean, damn. I'm so happy to finally. Yeah. God, it took so much. I'm not going to lie. The wood floors, you got your nice keyboard. It looks like you got a little bit of outboard gear going on. I got 1176. I have a Neve um, 500 series model. Nice. It's just so beautiful. I've tested out a lot of gear since I've been down here. Because the nice thing is about partnering with a lot of different people is I can go into demos and I can go test any of this gear pretty much. I could also order it from Sweetwater and test it, send it back, um, which is cool. But I just want to keep on building. I have so much more gear I want, of course, like we all do. Hell yeah. If we could just snap our fingers and have all of our dream gear in front of us, we would. My whole thing is uh, is sample packs. Like I, I'm like a hoarder of sounds. I do a lot of original samples. Oh, nice. I didn't realize that you do that. 
I teach my students uh, 107, 108. Right now we're in 107, 108, which is post-production, sound for film, uh, and visual media, all that stuff. So I use the Zoom recorder with the different attachments. We do different assignments where I send them out to do interviews with people, with lobs and things. Sick. Yeah. And they get this in their creative packs too. So we send them out to all the students. That's amazing. I didn't realize that. We'll have to figure out some way we can collaborate with that. Definitely. Because I don't know if you saw, but me and a couple of people, we started this thing called Yeah Dude Samples. Um, I did, yeah, and I've dug. We, we launched this like sample pack company, and because that's just that's what I do. Like I, I just nerd out. I think that's the way to go, anyways. Because moving forward, I mean, a lot of people now, hopefully at this point, are trying to be more original with their music, their creations, the content they're putting out, which means going out and getting original sounds. I want my own unique sound, so um, I think a lot of other producers do as well. Um, so that's kind of what we're, what, why, how we try to separate ourselves. I basically started a, a SharePoint for the students, and I created this this folder um, called IDL Sound Effects. And basically, inside the folder, there's like large sounds, small sounds, ambience, and so on and so forth, like different folders. And students uh, have access to basically download whatever ones they want. And then if they want new ones uploaded, they just send me. Um, the files for them like they'll go out and record their own stuff and then they'll send me files through teams I'll just download them upload them to the SharePoint and then I just keep basically compiling it because I just want it to get Stocked that's amazing. I would love to get my hands on those sounds Definitely, I'll yeah. send you some good ones. I'll pick through like some of the crap ones because sometimes students sound quality is not great But right. <laughs> I mean they're they're learning they're, they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are great, though. Some of them are fantastic students, I have to say. Nice. It's really like the ones, you know, we went to school with people yep. where we started with however many people and most of them dropped out because they're just not dedicated to finishing something or dedicated maybe as much to music as they needed to be. Right. That's the other thing, too, where certain students are just shining. And then there's other ones where I'm like, well, you tried. Love you. We'll get you through. <laughs> there were so many people like that at, at IPR. It was, it was just kind of. It was interesting. It was. It was interesting watching those. It's like, why? Why did you even? Why did you even come here, bro? What, what are you? What, what are you doing, bro? But it's. It's like we said. It's like you got to try everything out. Even if it's an industry that you don't like. That's yep. what I mean. I try not to like. Sometimes I feel like people are so offended when they decide to like drop out and go do something else. And it's just like literally. Now that I'm teaching at a college. Whenever a student has wanted to leave or expressed any type of feelings of like, this might not be for me, you shouldn't push them into feeling like they're forced to do it. I definitely believe that now with education being so accessible to everybody, it's like, just let the people choose. Yep. We don't need to control anything. If they want to be here and, and learn music, they'll be here. Absolutely. Do you have any final words you want to give to the people? Like anything you're working on? Any any songs you want to plug? Anything? Any advice? Expect to see more singles coming out. Just kind of keep an ear out. Um, I'm kind of one of those people that likes to sporadically release, you know, as things are done. Sometimes I'll, you know, pump it up with a music video or little clips or something like that, but just depends. So that is happening because I don't feel like the creativity is going to stop. But when it comes to words of advice before leaving just always come back to love no matter what that is pure fantastic advice um well thank you so much as i said before i really appreciate you and i appreciate everything that you are and uh i will talk to you soon thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me brandon and also i just cherish our friendship it's nice to catch up and 
hear from you and you know I'm sending you all the good energy as you continue to grow your business I see you over there hustling keep thriving um, and again just thanks for having me on your your platform and you know lifting voices and sharing it with people that might need to hear some positive things too thank you so much thanks Brandon